0: Do you know what time it is, Cetiri? It is sex o'clock.
1: Wait, oh, I forgot how it starts now. now that occult I know Confessions!
0: <laughs> okay, yeah,
1: we're good. Occult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click donate to help keep the... history of the, the occult? On the digital airwaves?
0: Nikki just left you out to drive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, as soon as I was going to chime in, she had it. She had yeah, it.
0: Yeah, all right.
1: I'm confused at the end of it, but I did it.
0: <laughs> we'll take it. When we think of Crusades, the images of the Knights Templar riding into battle against their Islamic foes in the Holy Land spring to our minds. But there was another medieval crusade against non-believers, in this case pagans, held in Scandinavia in the same time period. How did the church arrive at the conclusion that it had no choice but to forcibly convert these Baltic heathens? The conversion of the Baltic tribes, like the conversion of the barbarian tribes of Western Europe, was a complicated event with many moving parts. It isn't the case that the Pope signed an order and Christian missionaries boldly marched in, accompanied by knights on white steeds, and started baptizing people. To begin, the Scandinavian kings led the way in converting the populace, particularly in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. The kings, however, had their own reasons for converting, which were often far more political than religious. Today, on Occult Confessions, the Baltic Crusades... I am joined by our two favorite anti-Crusaders, uh, our metallurgic prophet, uh, Brie Litteral. Hey, guys. Have you been prophesying anything metal lately? Hmm. <laughs> you've been doing some D d D.
1: I have that's, been. That's pretty. I've metal. also been been writing some stuff. So.
0: Oh, you've been writing some metal stuff.
1: Mm, yep. Some yeah. pretty some pretty metal content.
0: You give us it like a little, just a hint of of some of that metal?
1: Um, Russian necrophile.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's metal. That's metal. metal. It's pretty metal. A very
1: well-educated Russian necrophile.
0: That other voice there is, uh, of course, our naked truth. That is uh, Nikki Double H, Hiller Henderson. Nikki, have you been doing any uh, naked truth-telling lately?
2: I mean, I haven't. Been doing a lot of clothed
0: lying. Ah, so. see, I think that's fine. Yeah, that's the standard for you. <laughs> Am I? You, so you could be doing some naked lying or some clothed truth telling, but you're not doing clothed lying. Exactly. <laughs> it's not an so. option. <laughs> no, that's not how I roll. <laughs> okay. And that's how we gave you the title. All right, let's pledge this out. We, the members of of the secret order order of of alchemical actors, actors do solemnly solemnly commit ourselves ourselves to a full full and honest telling of of the the history history, of the occult occult, as far as we know it. it. Cool. Ah, yes. Oh. Let's open up those those plugs and patrons. Uh, So we don't plug anymore. We open the order of confessors. Uh, So this is my invitation to you both to make any sounds you please.
2: <laughs> I don't know
0: Alright, we'll take that, we'll take that Bree, now I'm going to put you on the hook for the end there Since Nikki carried that one Okay. So you're going to have to play us out of this we got three new folks to welcome to the patrons That is Caitlin H, the Bard King And Momo, welcome all three of you I want to just wax poetic about the Patreon for one second here We do have new, new bonus content from Brie uh just came out this uh past month and uh breeze uh that that if you're interested in that necrophilia <laughs> it's <laughs> not
1: it's <laughs> not the necrophilia is very vague it's more so about everything else
0: okay a little bit of blavatsky russian guy uh, so we have uh breeze working on what she, what she's writing there she is uh, an upcoming patron episode another one so now, here's the thing, though. I, I, patrons, are, I thank you. Uh, I want to tell you folks, Like, yes, we have hours and hours of bonus content over there. That is a reason to join Patreon. But here's the other thing. You know, we put this podcast out for free, and we have no ads. So our patrons are the people who make this show available to the world. Uh, you know, we've we've been climbing various charts and and bringing in new listeners all the time. I mean, charts, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, connecting with new people all the time. Our patrons are really responsible for allowing us to do that work. So if you value what we're doing here, if it's important to you, if you think that the world would be a better place, if, if more people heard about us, Come on over and uh, join us on Patreon. That's that's the hard sell on Patreon. But uh, seriously, folks, it uh, it means a lot. It helps a lot. It's uh, the reason we're able to keep doing what we're doing. All right, Brie, you knew this was coming when I mentioned it a minute and a half ago. Let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're so sad.
0: <laughs> we're so very sad.
2: It was all I could think of.
0: <laughs> all right, then
2: you asked <laughs> I, d- I did I did ask
0: that's that's my as supreme hierophant it's my my purview to ask shall we go to the ninth century and the Vikings Brie how does that how does that make you feel
1: I feel attacked honestly I, I was gonna say in danger I feel in like danger. I, I am in endangered yeah yeah oh okay
0: your' pe- because of the Crusaders are coming for your ninth century Viking babies yes speaking of which In the 9th century, Viking babies were only baptized regularly in the British Isles. I mean, baptized Christian is what I'm trying to say. And these baptisms were often short-lived, with Vikings returning to their pagan beliefs very shortly thereafter. So, you know, you sort of like take your baby to the old, uh, you know, priest. And be like, hey, man, I heard it's cool to baptize your kid. And the priest would be like, yeah, now you're a Christian. And you'd walk away and you'd be like, hey, that was cool. That was fun. What, what, uh... What pagan shit are we doing tonight?
1: <laughs>
0: Sounds right. Sounds right, yeah. That's, that's the Viking way. Uh, so, initial attempts to bring Christianity to the Scandinavian countries were generally unsuccessful. Danish King Harold Clack wanted to forge an alliance with the Franks, and so, at Louis the Pious's request, he agreed to be baptized. But it didn't do him any good, and his rule quickly fell apart. Harold had ascended as a result of a civil war between two nephews of the former Danish king who managed to kill each other during the course of the conflict. So here we go. Here comes Danish king's nephews and they're fighting over who gets to be king of all Danes and they both die.
2: Ugh tragic.
0: So they're like, who should be king? And people are like, how about about that guy over there? He's a clack. he's a black so <laughs> unfortunate name <All> right. <laughs> harold was aligned with the side that won so you still had a winner even though you lost both nephews you'd still one side's going to beat the other side and and so he was on the, the correct side and since they won they had to find a new king and they picked that old clock there uh So, all all the same, the sons of the former king rose up to depose Harold and force him out of Denmark. So, remember, it was the nephews who were fighting. The king still had some sons chilling on the side there. uh, Viking (laughs) politics. And so, as soon as, uh, you know, Harold is like, okay, I'll be king. The sons were like, wait a second. Not so fast. Here comes Charlemagne's son, the first in a long line of French Louises, not Louises. Louise. Louise. Multiple Louis. Many Louis, yeah, because yeah, the French kings were all Louis.
1: There's, yeah, it's a
0: lot. 100% Louis. Uh, he offered to help Harold get back on the throne in Denmark. Harold was eventually made a co ruler with the, his son, his rivals, which were the sons of the Danish king, Gottofrid, who were often simply called the Sons of Gottofrid, since nobody seems very certain of their actual names. I mean,. <laughs> I mean, today, historically.
1: Okay, but that'd be such a good, like, band name.
0: Sons of Godofred? Yeah. yeah, yeah go. I
2: was going to say, they don't need first names. A mm. Viking last name metal like that. band.
1: Yeah, it'd be just, <laughs> just a death metal band.
0: So you're telling me, Nikki, like, if you were Viking chick in the ninth century, and here come the Sons of Godofrid, you would ne- you wouldn't mention them by their name. You'd just be like, ah, Sons.
2: The sons of Godofred. Of no, you've got to go with the whole thing.
0: Hail yeah. ye sons of Godofred! And the guy mm-hmm. would be like, "My name's Bob."
1: Be like Bob. that doesn't matter here. Call me Bob.
0: He's trying to be all casual. <laughs> That's Doctor Sons of Godofred to you. <laughs> so, the- <laughs> <laughs> meaningless uh, the alliance was tense uh, and harold sought to further ingratiate himself with louis by having himself his wife and 400 danes of both sexes baptized at saint alban's basilica in Mainz. worried that this conversion would not go down well with harold's frenemies ruling in denmark louis the french king gave him a little piece of land to flee to if he got into trouble <laughs> So off he goes, he's like, I'll be Christian, but I don't know, those sons of Godifred, Bob is not really great with the whole Christian thing. Go, Bob. So, yeah, Louis was like, I hear you, Harold. I'm going to give you this little retirement resort over here, just in case. Uh, so, Louis may have just been angling to enlist Harold to help protect that region of the Frankish kingdom from Vikings. So it just so happened that this retirement plot was in a strategically significant location between the French the French. And the Vikings. But he was right to worry about his vassals' reception in Denmark. No sooner had Harold got back than them sons of Godifred, Bill and Bob and Schmitty, promptly kicked him out. And there probably wasn't much resistance from the people of the sons of Godafred, who were not too keen on Harold's new foreign faith anyhow, and were glad to see the bastard go. So, pagans, score one. Whoa,
2: whoa.
0: <laughs> I i agree but also like wouldn't it be
1: so cool if he was like yeah i'm gonna go get quote-unquote baptized and take this retirement land but then actually use it to invade
0: yeah that would have been (laughs) badass but i don't think that's that's what i would have done i mean from everything (laughs) we've heard about mr clack he's not inclined to roll that way sir clack I mean, so after much all, less
1: metal this way. <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm sure he really comported himself well in the battle, but it wasn't even really his battle where he got to be king. Everything sort of just fell in this guy's lap. I He's not, like a, he he not a go-getter. He would have so much
1: more to gain, though, if he had whatever. It's
0: fine. The next Harold in the story, because there's not enough Harold's, Harold number no. two. Uh, this is the story of the Danes Dance with Christianity, since this is, after all, the Harold Confessions podcast, exclusively focused on stories of people named Harold. Mm-hmm. This was Harold Bluetooth Gormson.
1: I'm sorry, say that again. Harold
0: Bluetooth Gormson. One more time. Ha- <laughs> <laughs> You're serious? Bluetooth. more conviction. Yeah. Harold Bluetooth Gormson. Okay. He was one of the first Danish kings to successfully promote Christianity among his people in the 10th century. Some chroniclers record that Gormson, who lived from 935 to 985, was converted by a cleric named Papa.
1: His name's just Papa?
0: Papa. Papa. He's a cleric, cleric
1: whose name is Father.
0: Papa Priest. Papa Father. <laughs> father Papa.
1: Father
2: Papa. Father Christ. Papa. <laughs> when
0: Harold asked him to demonstrate the strength of his faith, he picked up a great iron weight that had been heated in a fire and wasn't burned. So that's Papa. He's a badass priest. Okay, so Papa's doing
1: some real shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, that's All a little right. occulty, even.
1: You sure he's not a pagan? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I was going to say, are you sure that's a priest? He's, yeah, I don't know.
0: He's got really thick hands. Um, yeah. Another story. Hands. <laughs> Another story Calloused, just can't feel
2: it <laughs> Yeah,
0: just that's how he, he, that's how he gets a massage He cleans off his hands that way Another story Ooh. claims that Harold Bluetooth Was forcibly converted by the Holy Roman Emperor Otto I, or maybe it was Otto II When he wasn't defeated in battle It's the, you know, 10th century So things are a little foggy In Sweden Moving to Sweden now the first king to remain a Christian until his death was the early eleventh century King Olaf Skot Skotkunung
2: Skotkunung
0: Be nice to me, Swedish friends. I love you guys. Don't hurt my feelings because I'm pronouncing these words. Also Danish friends. Uh Olaf's our Swedish listeners will know, was better known as Olaf the Swede.
1: I know I recognize that name yeah
0: (laughs) this was 980 to 1022 legend tells that Olaf invited Siegfried the archbishop of York to his kingdom and he traveled with his three nephews so here comes the archbishop of York from you know the British Isles and Olaf is like come on down he's like okay cool I'm gonna bring my kids because this is fun well nephews because he can have kids because he's a you know priest (laughs) <laughs> the 12 tribes of the islands of southern Sweden convened a thing. Now, Brie, what is a thing?
1: I'm sorry, say that again? A thing. The whole sentence. Oh. A thing.
0: A thing. They convened a thing. It's a Viking thing. You don't know about Viking things? <laughs> I...
1: I'm not a Viking, Rob. I know, oh, but you're into I'm that Norse stuff. A Norse pagan.
0: All right, all right, all right. So, you don't, <laughs> so maybe Viking politics were not are not your focus.
1: I, Viking politics are not involved in.
0: So it's like a conference
2: a thing. It could be. I was gonna say it could be anything like a, what, like a campfire. Yeah, it's
1: like probably like a, like a. It's like a some sort of intense gathering of sorts to discuss a,
0: things. Yeah, it's a Viking word for that. Yeah, that's what a thing is. I don't know if I guess our word thing might come from that, but we don't mean that. We just talk because thing is is one of the... Is it spelled like thing? Yeah, it is. a capital T thing. A thing. Huh. Where are you going? I'm going to the thing. It's just a big old important meeting of people's. What's happening tonight? A thing. Huh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. At the thing, they determined to accept Christianity but not all the pagans of the region were happy about this decision and when Siegfried left his nephews behind to go baptize the king they set upon the nephews murdered them and dropped their heads in the Voxjo lake
2: Mm. well
1: huh I mean
0: rule one of a thing is you got to get everybody on board so that nobody gets beheaded slash dropped in a lake
1: Uh, that makes I understand that part Rob
0: (laughs) okay but that generally, that doesn't happen at things. I want I don't want anyone to think that things always end this way. This was a very unusual end to a thing. Yeah. Siegfried returned and recovered their heads through a miracle. That's all we know is through a miracle. So I'm guessing they, like, rose out of the water. Did you
1: just fish them out? Like...
0: There's a lot of occulty stuff. Like we got the last guy was handling, you know, big hot irons, and this guy's raising heads out of the water.
1: And these, guys, both of these men claim to be Christian.
0: Yes, these are all I Christian guys. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> that that just seems like a typical, a typical um, form of good old christian exaggeration it seems
0: like i thought you were gonna say like a typical christian thing to do is rage rage, raise severed heads no it it seems like a
1: a christian exaggeration (laughs) that leans towards a pagan's mindset when it comes to like pagan belief and practice if that makes sense
0: so you say maybe these stories aren't true they made them up just to impress them pagans
1: they're very pagany stories
0: yeah
2: or they're trying to make the pagans look bad, even in the stories. They're like, I went there to baptize them. I left my nephews there. I came back and they were just like beheaded yeah. and like dead in the river. Can you believe it? A miracle brought their heads out. But
0: so you don't even buy the murder story, Nikki. I don't know. <laughs> this is turning into true crime med- medieval times. <laughs> Wait,
1: Nikki, you're saying they weren't actually murdered.
0: Well, I'm just
2: saying that it's it's like awfully convenient for the Christians that almost every story they have about encountering pagans is like the pagans are the bad people in it.
1: They're the bad people, and then God let me do like pagan type things because the pagans died.
2: Question? Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah. I get it. I'm with you, Nikki. (laughs) This is our new true crime show. Pagans are Christians. Who's <laughs> telling the truth?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the legend, whether true or not, reflects some of the underlying themes of Olaf's Christianization. While the king decided it was a good idea, his people weren't necessarily along for the ride. Olaf had planned to tear down the pagan Uppsala Temple, but there were too many pagan Swedes, so he abandoned the plan. According mm-hmm. to the medieval chronicler Adam of Bremen, whose account was based on a variety of sources, good and... Honestly less than good. The temple contained statues of Thor with a mace, Wodan in the center in armor, and Friko, a male fertility god depicted with an erect phallus. Love it. Good old Friko. A sacrifice of nine male dogs, horses, and men was made to placate these gods, and the corpses hung in a sacred grove of trees behind the temple. The pagans only agreed to allow Olaf to establish a church if he promised not to try to convert anyone so well, I'm delighted by easy.
1: everything you just said until you brought <laughs> up the conversion again
0: <laughs> I, I mean I'm going back to Nikki's point when we talk about you know nine dogs and nine men <laughs> this could be more tarnishing of pagan practice and stuff same like the wicker man and oh the,
1: yeah definitely and kind of
0: moving to Norway Olaf this gets even harder the further we go yeah, <laughs> words get harder to pronounce <laughs> Shout out Norwegians. Norway is rough. <laughs> lots of Scandinavian fans. See, we have lots of Scandinavian fans, so I have, I love doing Scandinavian content. However, it is not an easy lift, dear Scandinavian friends. Olaf, first of all, because everybody's name is Olaf. Olaf Trigvasen. All right. Okay. Trigvasen. He rolled uh, until the 9th of September, 1,000. Kind of cool. After his wife, Gira, he set out on four years to plunder in Frisland, the Hebrides, and the Skilly Islands. While plundering, he heard about a renowned oracle and sent one of his men to pose as the king to see if he could fool the oracle. But the seer wasn't fooled, and so Olaf went himself. The oracle offered him a prophecy
2: thou wilt become a renowned king and do celebrated deeds many men wilt thou bring to faith and baptism and both to thy own and others good and that thou mayest have no doubt of the truth of this answer listen to these tokens when thou comest to thy ships many of thy people will conspire against thee And then a battle will follow, in which many of thy men will fall, and thou wilt be wounded almost to death, and carried upon a shield to thy ship. Yet, after seven days, thou shalt be well of thy wounds, and immediately thou shalt let thyself be baptized.
0: Ugh. Shortly after receiving this message... (laughs) Sorry. Shortly after receiving this message, mutineers rose up against Olaf. He was attacked, but survived, presumably carried back to his ship on a shield. On the strength of the prophet's words, he converted. Now, yet again, we have an odd narrative, since it involves a pagan practice, namely prophecy, working in service of a Christian conversion, and it speaks to the fundamental overlap between paganism and Christianity in this world. Olaf converted the Greenland explorer Leif Erikson as well as the people of the Orkney Islands. He hoped to rule a united Christian Scandinavia and courted uh, Sigrid the Haughty. Mm. Yeah, you're going to love her. Sigrid the Haughty, Queen of Sweden. So here comes Olaf. And he's had this prophecy. It says he is going to be the Christian master of all Christian vikings so he's like all right step two step one get prophecy step two marry the queen of sweden who just so happens to be a little bit haughty
2: yeah i was hearing it like um haughty like she's a haughty yeah, she's oh, a haughty no but, um, like you
0: get a little hot in the closet
2: yeah what? exactly <laughs> <laughs> But no, it has a different meaning.
0: I get it now. Nikki's recording situation, as all of our listeners know, is a little bit warm. Uh, yes, not H-O-T-T-I-E. H-A-U-G-H-T-Y. The haughty.
1: I feel like she's uh, more than a little haughty, if that's if she's the haughty. <laughs> she's quite you know. haughty.
0: Quite haughty indeed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so off he goes to court her. Uh, but sigrid being haughty refused to convert from her pagan belief system sigrid had earned her moniker when her foster brother sought her hand in marriage she invited him along with another suitor to a great feast where she had him burned in the hall in front of her guests (laughs) (laughs) yeah love a strong woman
2: oh man
1: can i marry her can i marry
0: (laughs) yeah well i mean i don't know The Japanese are now marrying fictional characters. (laughs) She she did, yeah. Um, So, when Olaf proposed marriage to her, he conditioned his offer on her acceptance of Christianity. Come, pagan queen, and be my Christian
2: wife.
1: I will not part from the faith which my forefathers have kept before me.
2: I am in a rage. If that is your
0: response, then I will slap you with my glove.
2: This may someday be thy death. Oh shit. Ah that's not gonna go well she just burned a man alive oh honey
0: (laughs) yeah she burned him alive just for like asking if she would marry (laughs) him
2: (laughs) this man slapped her in the face like love he's gonna get wrecked i'm
0: ready i mean it's (laughs) tell me what happens to him like maybe he insulted her at the feast okay anyway um olaf married tyri who was sven fourbeard king of denmark's sister so sigrid is like no thanks get out and then he smacks her and he's not gonna marry him then so oh, he Olaf. runs off uh, and he decides to marry the King of Denmark's sister, whose name is Tyri. So, and Olaf, you know, he's wanting to spread his Christianity around. Um, uh, so he goes ahead and marries Tyri without her brother's permission. Oh, yeah. So he's real anxious. I guess Tyri is probably a, a hottie. So but, <laughs> uh,
1: not haughty, but not haughty. a hottie. A <laughs>
0: hottie. And also I imagine, you know, she's, because she's the sister of the king of denmark so you know he's seeing these opportunities for political maneuvering so sigrid remember sigrid who burned a man alive mm. the uh-huh. swedish king who got slapped by this guy and burned the last guy in front of her she heard about uh the king of of Denmark, Sven's a displeasure over the union between his sister and Olaf, and so she sent him a proposition. She said, oh, king of Denmark, why don't you marry me?
1: Oh my god.
2: Heck yeah.
0: So he did. He married the queen yes. of Sweden. Sigrid and Sven. You see where this is going. Sigrid and Sven yes, I do. Are, are now married. Sigrid. Uh, Sweden and Denmark are now united against Norway. Thierry, then begged Olaf to wrest her ancestral lands back from her brother's control, just as Sigrid encouraged Sven to go to war with Olaf.
2: Olaf, I would love to have brother betraying sexy times with you. And you know what would be the sexiest kind of foreplay? Wresting my ancestral Danish lands from my brother. Swain, I would love to have haughty, sexy times with you. And you know what would be the sexiest kind of foreplay? Crushing Norway. <laughs>
1: oh. I'm delighted.
0: I mean, that is hot, oh my right? God. If you and your that's piece go odd. and crush a country together, that is sexy. That gets me that's, in the mood. I
1: think, yeah. Right. That's the ultimate foreplay. Nothing like foreplay.
0: it. Nothing like it. That's a good that's a good three days. The Norwegians, <laughs> led by Olaf, left to conquer Tyri's homeland and were met by Danish and Swedish ships at the Battle of Svoldor, the largest naval battle of the Viking Age. In the midst of the fight, Olaf, dear Olaf, who had slapped Sigrid, and who had married Tyri, leapt from the side of his ship, the Ormrin Lungi or Long Serpent, and was never heard from again Yeah, screw that guy
2: (laughs) he doesn't yeah he doesn't deserve like a badass death no he doesn't deserve a badass death
0: and i think it's such a like a symbol of masculinity he's leaping from a boat literally named the giant penis and then he's just gone yeah the long serpent he leaps from his long serpent and that's it she drives him from his own cock Mm. Way to go, Sigrid. Oh, that's a woman. I knew really. you would like her. I I, when <laughs> I, you I asked you guys to do this. It was just so you could hear about Sigrid.
1: I'm delighted. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Yeah.
0: Yes. I'm here for you. All right, let's get into some more of this. Olaf Haraldsson rose to power 15 years after the end of Olaf Trygvasson's reign. In Norway, Olaf II, also known as St. Olaf, for those of you who are fans of uh, the Golden Girls, you'll be familiar with St. Olaf, the town that Rose is from. No? You guys don't know the Golden Girls?
2: I mean, I've seen it.
0: Do you not, I, not know any like, well enough? I
2: don't
1: yeah. I don't know the lore,
0: Rob. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I don't know that much lore about it. I've anyway. seen it, but Yeah.
0: She's always talking about Saint Olaf. Anyway.
2: Oh yeah, that one. which one? I don't even know if I'm, to talk
0: Saint... about. I'm talking about him right now. Anyway. <laughs> okay. He invited the English clergyman Grinkel to Norway. Grinkle. Here, here we go again. Here comes Bishop Grinkle, like so many (laughs) Christian clergymen before him. He presided presided over the canonization of Olaf only a year after his death. So, you know, to get canonized, things have not gone well for you. Olaf was apparently quite brutal, which is partly why he was so successful at uniting Norway. After the northern kings pledged fealty to him, he crushed the kings in the south, brought the aristocracy to heel, took control of the Orkney Islands, and raided Denmark. The Danish king Knut the Great or Newt the Great ultimately drove him out of Norway uniting the kingdoms and casting Olaf into exile and Olaf fell in 1030 trying to reclaim his kingdom. So he did all this uniting and then he got beat and the other guy took all his stuff. Thanks for uniting this. It's mine now. (laughs) In another bit of historical good luck after his death his illegitimate son Magnus the Good took the throne of Denmark and Norway establishing Olaf's dynasty. So then his son managed to loop back into power lot of turnover in in viking territory
1: yeah
0: while it's questionable whether olaf actually christianized norway he did establish a norwegian christian legal code his legal code was so well regarded that when pope gregory VII tried to enforce clerical celibacy in norway the norwegian clergy ignored it because it wasn't in the code Haha. <laughs> good
2: for them no, like no 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 this code this code says we can have sex we're keeping this one
0: <laughs> we're keeping the sex I mean, after all, we just crushed a country. What else are we going to do?
1: Yeah, honestly.
0: (laughs) Among the Scandinavians, the Lutici Federation were some of the most resistant to Christianization. The Lutici worshipped nature in sacred groves and at springs, lakes, and rivers. They worshipped in the open without priests. Adam of Bremen, my guy who gave us uh, all about that temple with them sacrifices, reports that the Scottish John Scotus, Bishop of Mecklenburg, was ritually decapitated during a revolt in 1066 as a sacrifice to Radagast, the Slavic god of hospitality.
1: Yeah, dang, okay.
2: (laughs) Nothing says hospitality like a good beheading. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Hello, Hello, guest. Welcome to our home. Could you just stretch out your neck a little? (laughs) Uh, Hello, new guest. Would you like to see the previous guest on our mantle?
0: (laughs) 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 The Rani of the Rugen, wealthy merchants and pirates, also avoided Christianization for a while, paying tribute to the temple of Svantavit in Arcona. The Rani were pantheists who worshipped gods with several faces in the form of large wooden statues at temples, holy groves, and their home altars. Svantovit was the god of war fertility and abundance at the temple of Svantovit, his horn of abundance was filled with mead annually and Mm. an oracle made predictions based on the behavior of a white horse and the throwing of dice so that sounds like a fun place
2: yeah all of these sound so much more fun than christianity is they really
0: do (laughs) yeah where's your white horse
2: yeah dice rolling nature white horse (laughs)
0: Bishop, Grimple. where's all that? Where's that stuff? Where are your groves?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, where are your groves full of white horses? I think Jesus mm.
0: had a grove. Didn't Jesus have a grove?
2: I don't yeah, full of fruit you couldn't eat. Rob, yeah. it was a trap.
1: <laughs> no, it was a trap, Rob, not a grove.
0: <laughs> You're killing me. Uh, anyway, and the tribe's treasury was guarded by 300 mounted warriors. In eleven, so they got their treasury there too. They got the white horse, the dice, the mead. Big old treasure. Three hundred guys. In eleven sixty eight, the Danish kings conquered Arcona and brought the Rugen princes under their control. Then in twelve oh six, the Danish King Valdemar II received a promise from Pope Honorius III, offering him whatever pagan lands he conquered, inspired by a vision of a cross in the heavens, sort of like Constantine or the legend of Constantine, I should say, he went on to invade Estonia and establish a castle there. Although the castle quickly became too difficult to defend, the king left behind the missionaries Anders and Sunnison and Nicholas of Schleswig, who not only imparted their Christian wisdom, but also a message of Danish power. So he's using Christianity essentially to conquer Estonia. The group most closely associated with the Christian conquest of the Baltic states was the Teutonic Order. You guys heard of these before, the Teutonic Knights? No. No? Not even the that D&D stuff or any of that? It uh, sounds Brie?
1: like vaguely like something I've heard about, but you'd have to tell me about them. For
0: but me. They're a bit like the Templars. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're Templary. The Teutonic Order was originally established in the Holy Land in Acre and was relocated to Transylvania because that's what you do when you have too many uh, knights in the Holy Land. You go to Transylvania? Yeah, you're like, we have one too many knights. What should we do with this guy? "Eh, Send him to Transylvania. But when they attempted to usurp the king of Hungary's control by putting themselves under the direct authority of the pope, the king tossed him out. So, so much for Transylvania. They were given (laughs) a new mission in Prussia to convert the old Prussians or Baltic tribes in Prussia to Christianity. The old Prussians were, by most accounts, not especially cool. So, sorry, I know we've been having a lot of fun and a lot of feminism, but the men treated women as servants, and they married up to three wives, and they could drown or burn disabled family members, sickly newborns, oh. or excessive—let me say this. <laughs> yeah, Nikki's already having trouble before I say this phrase. Or excessive female infants
2: oh there it is kill the girls huh
0: yeah <sighs> yep. i mean worship. all of
2: that's awful all of that is yeah, equally yeah. awful
0: so yeah. they, here's some terrible pagans i know we've been trying to be extra kind to the pagans and allowing them to murder people in groves and stuff but not cool pagans you
2: know there's always a few who just ruin it for everybody
0: <laughs> yes mm-hmm. just take yeah.
2: it too far you know
0: yeah yeah we can't blame the christians for uh, joel Austen. I mean, oh, no, all we the can Christians. blame
2: the Christians for almost uh, almost everything bad that's happened in history.
0: There's a lot. There is a lot. But... Not Hi- not Hitler. I mean, not directly. I was going to say anyway. not, not everything, yeah, but not like Hitler.
2: the majority.
1: <laughs> There's a good bit, but just as there are bad Christians, there are bad There's pagans gonna be some bad as well. Pagans,
0: yeah, going to be some bad apples in the bunch. So he- these are them. Uh, th- they worship nature possibly a pantheon of gods, had a high priest who resided in a sacred grove and communicated with the spirits of dead ancestors. A little bit of mediumship going on there. Teutonic knights, they Christianized the old Prussians beginning in 1231, and 50 years of bloodshed and forced conversions ensued. The knights went on to control the largest continuous area in the region from the Gulf of Finland to the border of Livonia. In 1200, Bishop Albert of Riga led a crusade to convert the Livonians. So these guys were real stubborn in Livonia. They are hardcore. We did a whole episode on the uh, Livonian werewolf. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A guy who believed he was a werewolf who went down into hell to fight the witches and fight Satan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Badass. Anyway, uh, so because Livonia, uh, uh, that story, I think, in part is because so much paganism persisted in Livonia for so long. So here comes Bishop Albert. Uh, he's leading a crusade in Livonia, and he created the Livonian Brothers of the Sword through a charter issued by Otto the Fourth. These knights were warrior monks, much like the Templars, and took vows of celibacy, poverty, and obedience. The Grand Master, the first of which was Ven- Venno von Rohrbach, Veno von Rorbach, served for life. In von Rohrbach's case, life was five years. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not that he was five years old, but five years after. Yeah, I didn't grasp that. I I understood that he was not an
1: infant when he started.
0: (laughs) He was born and they said, you will be grandmaster. It's not like the um, Dalai Lama or anything. Uh, So they fought the pagans in modern day Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. The order initially focused on protecting priests and missionaries in Livonia, since unlike the Templars in the Holy Land, the Christians had no previous claim on Livonian land. Whereas the Holy Land had theoretically belonged to the Christians and was taken away from them, the Baltic Pagan Lands had never been Christian, which meant there was no moral justification to take it unless provoked. Their first battle was in 1205, and it was prompted by a request from a local tribe who had been attacked by Lithuanians. The Sword Brothers had superior, superior cavalry, and so the Livonians generally avoided outright battle with them, preferring raids instead. After they were decimated by the Livonians in 1236, the sword brothers that is, and found their forces reduced to a tenth of its numbers, the order was incorporated into the Teutonic Knights. So they beat the crap out of them for 30 years. (laughs) Them, uh, Them Livonian pagans. Allied with the Teutonic Order, my sword brothers, they eventually succeeded in conquering the Livonians, defeating the Curonians in twelve sixty seven and the Semigallians in twelve ninety. So it took them almost a century to fully conquer Livonia.
2: Wow,
1: that's that's pretty hardcore, honestly.
2: Do you think it's because they were werewolves?
0: I think that helps. I think <laughs> mm, it does help. To werewolves be... do. They do help. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of... Our swordsmen are down. Bring out the werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> send
1: in the werewolves.
0: Like, that, when you hear the line, send in the werewolves, your first question oh, has no. got to be, how come we didn't do that first? What am I doing here with my little itty-bitty sword? You had werewolves. And then if you're
1: on the other side hearing, send out the werewolves. Yeah, then you're, you're, you're like, that's it. You're out of here. I need to go. That's I need to get me. out of here.
0: It's been fun. <laughs> So let's talk about these guys, the Curonians. They were a rich tribe of Baltic pirates, also warriors, who laid siege to and regularly attacked the Crusaders along with the Semigallians, capturing monasteries and killing monks. The Kyrians actually fought alongside the Crusaders when a rival tribe, the Samogitians, invaded their territory, Corland, at the Battle of Derb. But the Sword Brothers refused to free, captured Curonian warriors from the Semogation camp, and so the Curonians said, Screw you, Sword Brothers, and started attacking them from the rear. The locals fled, and the Sword Brothers were surrounded and beaten.
1: As they should be.
0: Don't mess with the pagans. Mm -mm. The Teutonic Knights next turned their attention to pagan Lithuania. The Knights reported brutal treatment at the hands of their pagan rivals who they claimed would tie them to their horses, set fire to them, flay them, or drive a stake through their whole body. So these
1: are all ores not happening consecutively Oh, or I don't think.
0: No, I mean, I'm not promising, though, Brie, that they wouldn't drive a stake through your body and then drag you around for a while.
1: Because I really feel like I would fillet before I set them on
0: fire, you know? At least, yeah. Yeah. But flaying and then uh, sticking you on the back of a horse seems like overkill, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I guess you'd have to stake filet, horse, and bun? <laughs>
0: You're t- I don't know if staking and flaying is happening in the same for the... This is disgusting.
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize really on behalf of myself for and even saying this. All the Lithuanian I, pagans. <laughs> I just was curious as to what you meant. I didn't know, and then I said that.
0: Let's talk about God for a little bit. Lithuanian oh worship... <laughs> Involved a vast pantheon of gods, including Dievas uh, or Dievas, Ooh. so not Devas, which is a, a Hindu, but Dievas is mm-hmm. the supreme sky god. <laughs> velnias was the god of the underworld. Zemina was the earth goddess. Medina, goddess of the forest and the hunt. Gabija, goddess of fire, and Bangputis, god Ooh. of the sea. I love yeah, that name. Aren't they neat? Yeah. They uh, kept water clean and buried their dead across bodies of water, utilized fire in their rituals, and made contact with the gods in sacred groves. That so sounds well, pretty cool. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty chill. The, the water stuff is really good, because that's mm-hmm. going to keep you alive for longer.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's smart.
0: The conflict between the Lithuanians and Teutonic Order lasted 200 years. Oh,
1: yeah. okay. was not <laughs> expecting that.
0: Tack on another century. Well, b- bear in mind, Brie, <laughs> oh, all the flaying and stake driving that's going on. Right. So your knights ride into town, and next thing you know, that you got a stake up your butt. You're not going to come back tomorrow.
1: But I really feel like, based on your description of these people, that they really did not do those things—at least not to that degree.
0: Unless provoked. All right. Yeah. Don't provoke <laughs> them. They will. They will flay
1: a. I guess. Yeah.
0: I probably can't say that. They will flay a. A, a, a Christian. <laughs>
2: That's almost worse. I start using that as like a swear. You Christian. They will
0: impale a bishop. Uh, So... Uh the conflict between the lithuanians and teutonic order lasted 200 years like i said in 1386 grand duke jogalia of lithuania converted to christianity and married queen Jadwiga of poland who was also battling with the teutonic knights this effectively began the christianization of lithuania but this did not translate to a loss of interest among the knights in being the bosses of lithuania so this marriage was happening in opposition to these knights who've been fighting these people for all this time it does Christianize them, but it's not the way the knights had intended.
1: I guess it's still a big old F to the knights.
0: Yeah, and they're if you're still are going to have
1: to be Christian, you might as well not give them the ones attacking you their way.
0: Back in Prussia, the Lizard Union, or Lizard League.
1: I'm sorry, the Lizard League?
0: <laughs> this is the Lizard League, they're yes. They are not
1: called the Lizard League, Rob. They
0: absolutely are. Oh I mean, my if you don't God. like that, it's the Lizard Union.
1: No, Lizard League no, is it Lizard for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's it for me, yeah.
0: They were founded to wrest control of the region from the Knights. So uh, this was a little political organization that was trying to get the Knights out of Germany. Oh, uh, cool. Lith- Lithuania and Poland teamed up for another century of fighting against the Teutonic Order, eventually ousting them from Prussia in 1525 and then Livonia 35 years later. So the Knights lost when all was said and done.
2: Yeah, they did. Thanks to the Lizard
1: League. Yeah, wait, so what actually made <laughs> up the Lizard League, I'm sorry.
0: They were Prussians in opposition to the knights that you talked about. Oh, okay, knights. okay, yeah, okay. That Prussians. was basically their main thing. I'm sure they had cool, like, lizard based gear. You know, I just
1: imagine that like they kind of like to like They'd set lizards out and, like, race them like turtles, and they are like, guys, I've got a great name for our order. It's the Lizard League.
0: <laughs> also, like, you know who like, really uh, pisses me off? Those Teutonic Knights. While we're here racing lizards. Should we talk about them yeah. for a while?
1: <laughs> guys, 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 guys.
2: The Maybe their league. calling card was, like, lizards. It's like, they leave uh, lizards.
1: Get... But I feel like if they did that, they would end up leaving dead lizards, so I'd like to not think that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have werewolves, so what do they need the lizards for? Oh. Were-lizards!
1: Were- lizards. Where- Oh no, <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. our
0: werewolves, they're wearing down our werewolves. Bring out the were-lizards!
2: <laughs> were-lizards?
0: Wait a I second, we had were-lizards!
2: They're just going for the ankles!
1: We had no, were-lizards? like, huge lizard men, like- Oh yeah, they're <laughs> oh,
0: enormous.
2: Oh no, I was picturing,
1: like, lizard-sized werewolves! Oh my god.
0: I'm going to picture giant lizard men, but like down on their bellies. So, they're just
1: wiggling their way through. I'm sort like of all, co- <laughs> splitting like the difference belly.
0: between Nikki and Bree here. They're
1: shimmying. Yes,
0: and they're going to take a big bite out of your calf. Yeah. Let's bring it on home. The Christianization of the Baltics was by no means an elegant affair. From Sigrid the haughty conspiring against Olaf to the decapitation of John Scotus in the name of the god Aradagast, there was strong resistance against missionaries in all of their guises. Narratives of kings converting out of religious conviction were largely invented by Christian chroniclers as propaganda for the church, when most of these conversions were a matter of politics. More often than not, the church was part of a game of thrones as danish swedish and norwegian monarchs and the teutonic knights vied for control of the region also werewolves and lizard men yes <laughs> all right ladies last thoughts on the old uh, baltic crusades
2: uh let us know what you think lizard werewolves would be like
1: please <laughs> i want to know your thoughts is there a lizard league out there that is actually people oh, who just gosh. race lizards? Have I called you out? If I have, I apologize, but please let us also, know. Also,
2: please in. <laughs> yeah, let
1: us in. Let us join the lizard league.
0: You guys want to be where lizards?
1: No, no. We want to oh. race the lizards. You want to the race lizards. the lizards. Yeah. yeah.
0: You don't want to become lizards on the full moon. No. Well, you do, Nikki? I mean... Depends on the lizard, I guess. I want to dig into this. Tell me more about this idea you have, Nikki, that this would I be a like, good time. I
2: just mean, like, I don't have a lot else going on.
0: on a full <laughs> so moon. you're just talking about, like, for your social life.
2: <laughs> just for fun.
0: <laughs> just to pass a Saturday night. You can guarantee every 28 days. What are you doing? Tell me about your night as a lizard woman.
2: Oh, I think it'd be really fun to run through grass at, like, lizard level.
0: Oh. Like he, you're down on your belly a- again.
2: Like it's
1: a forest. Nikki, I have a delightful idea. We can combine the Lizard League and the Were-Lizards, and we can race each other as (laughs) Were-Lizards.
2: Yes! We are the Lizards. We
0: are, yes. Nikki's night begins with a nice crawl through the grass, and then she heads over to the village square, where she can race (laughs) other lizard girls. Yes. Bree is not a lizard person, but is rather I, betting on them.
1: I know. I host. I host the, the lizard host, league. Actually, yes. I make safe betting rules, um, <laughs> and I make sure everybody's having a good time.
2: Very she brings nice. us lizard snacks. Where
1: yeah, I supply the snacks.
0: Lizard snacks. Da- give me. Okay, I can't let you go until you tell me what <laughs> what your favorite lizard snack would be, Nikki. <laughs>
2: I don't know, I've eaten a dandelion before and it was okay.
0: Okay, so you're going to be a vegetarian lizard. I, I, yeah, I either way, that. I'm still a vegetarian. I'm good with that. I'm fine with that.
2: I can
1: set that up.
0: <laughs> I, I'll be in the corner singing songs about your uh, your exploits. <laughs> yes. It's just narrating your life. And then the lizard Nikki arrives. With like one, one of those dandelions. like old guitar. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'll be me. I'll be on the lute. strumming away. Our sources today include Anit Sellarts, Livonia, Rus, and the Baltic Crusades in the 13th century, and also Michael Nort's The Baltic. A history. Who can bring us on home?
2: Um, I... (laughs) I forget how it starts. I hereby... Adjourn? Yeah, you got it. Go for it. Yep. I hereby adjourn this meeting of the... Who are are we? I hear... um,
0: you adjourn and declare closed.
2: Ad- yeah. Oh, I hereby adjourn and de- declare closed this meeting of the alchemical actors until such a time that we get together and do it again.
0: There it is. Nice. There we go. Ooh. Our voices today are uh, some some new folks. We have Kara Simpson playing the Prophet, uh, we have Evangeline uh, Olsen and Maddie Wagner and Neil Sigmund doing our Danish and Swedish royalty. Uh, is that right? Where's a Norwegian in there? I think Olaf was Norwegian. Uh, and that brings us close to our Baltic Crusades episode. We're going to pretty much hang out in this time period. We're we're creeping up on the timeline. We started around 300 with Constantine. We moved to the 800s with Gregory uh, the Great. And uh, now we're in about the 1200s. And now we're going to move forward to the 1400s, 1500s with the Great Witch Hunt in our next episode uh, which will be a bit of a tribute to one of my favorite scholars uh, so something to look forward to uh, and we'll be talking about them witches for uh, you know for 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 a good time for a good time call the great witch hunt uh my name hey, is dr hey. robert c thompson joined at the mic by our naked truth Nikki double h goodbye goodbye and brie literal metallurgic prophet
1: If anybody asks you to convert, take that slap.
0: (laughs) Take that slap. Now there you go. Stand up for your right to whatever. Be you to pagan. Stand in a grove. Stand up stand naked in a grove with your lizard teeth out. Find a white horse. Eating dandelions. As you tell yeah, prophesy on a white horse. Yeah. Here on occult confessions. up my script. I said to uh, while we were waiting for you, Nikki, I was like, yeah, Nikki's got a strip. That's what that's what we're waiting for. I was, I was ready.
2: I was ready. I was just waiting to be sent a Link. I was just you like waiting. You've been ready
0: all day? You just didn't bother getting dressed today." <laughs>
2: no, I mean, like, she, she sure. said I started,
0: I was, I started <laughs> nude.
2: If you stay nude, you don't have to get nude. That's the saying, right?
0: Mm. What? Say that again?
2: If you start nude, you don't have to get nude. That's the oh, saying, Oh, yeah, right? that's true.
0: I no. didn't know that. Is that a Canadian thing? <laughs>
2: No, not with our weather.
0: If you start nude, you don't... How warm is it there? It's still cold.
2: It is. It's still, like... It's, like, plus five...